Hi, everybody. You're listening to the 65th episode of Hipster Baseball Podcast, HBP. I'm Dorian, and on today's podcast, we go searching for Basquiat in Orlando, sing 99 Red Balloons to welcome back baseball, and watch the Chicago Cubs owners cry poor while they go on a billion-dollar shopping spree. Today, we always start out with a drink and always supporting good American jobs. In my hand, I have what is called a big pumpkin in a 32-ounce crowler from Orange County Brewers in Lake Mary, Florida. Now, Lake Mary is just outside of Orlando, Florida, and I'm going to have another sip. And you know... I always like to have, I always like to tie a story with whatever it is that I'm drinking. And today I want to talk about the Orlando Museum of Art. Normally, when you take your kids, your, your brother, your significant other to Orlando, you have to go visit Mickey Mouse. You got to go to the Harry Potter thing. You got to go to the this, to the that, to the other. And you get sick of all these screaming and yelling and kids and everything else. So to change things up, you can do two things, my friend. If you find yourself in Orlando over the next three or four weeks, you can either take into the Detroit Tiger spring training game in Lakeland, Florida, which is about an hour southwest of Orlando, or a little bit closer drive. You can go to the new exhibit at the Orlando Museum of Art called Heroes and Monster, which is a Jean-Michel Basquiat exhibit running at the museum until June 30th, 2023. So it's going to even be there during next 2023 spring training. Now, who is this Basquiat guy? We're baseball people. We like to drink. We like to have some laughs. We like to do karaoke. But Basquiat, he was a famous artist in the 80s. He gained fame as a graffiti artist in New York during the late 1970s. And a few years later, in the early 80s, his work was already being exhibited all over the world, in the U.S., Europe, etc. His parent, he was, he's half Puerto Rican, half Haitian. His parent, one of his parents was Puerto Rican. The other one was Haitian. So, Again, why are we talking about Basquiat, some New York painter, when we're talking about Orlando drinks and baseball? Because I'm going to tell you after I have another swig of this drink. At the Orlando Museum of Art, they're doing the first reveal of these 25 pieces of art that Basquiat had that they said was lost because they say that Basquiat painted these 25 pieces when he was living in Las Vegas, specifically Venice which I'm not a fan of Venice Beach, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. When he, Basquiat lived there back in 1982, and back then, basically, what, 40 years ago, he became friends or friendly with a television screenwriter by the name of Thad Mumford Jr., and Thad Mumford Jr. helped, he wrote the screenplay for MASH and a bunch of other TV shows that I, I don't remember off the top of my head. So Mumford left all these paintings that Basquiat gave to him in a locker in one of those long-term storage stuff that we've all had to use at one time or another in our life. And he kept paying it for years, for decades until about 2012. He's like, I'm not paying for this stuff anymore. And you know, all those shows that you have where these storage lockers come up for auction, this is exactly what happened. So Mumford died in 2018. And then the, some guy by the name of uh, William Force. And this other, this other guy who was investing in this potential storage locker, Lee Mangan, paid $15,000 for the contents that were within the locker. I don't think they knew exactly what was in there, 
but they had an idea because of that Mumford, his relationship with Jean-Michel Basquiat. So what happened? Then they're like, we want to, we want to show this. Uh, we want to, we want this, these lost pieces of art from Basquiat to go traveling around the world and we can be famous. But in the art world, there's a bit of a, a whiff of scandal because some people say these 20 these 25 pieces are not Basquiat originals because they're more colorful than what Basquiat was known for. And the New York Times reported that there is a small imprint from FedEx or Federal Express, as it used to be called back in the 80s, on the back of one of the cardboard paintings. And the, again, the New York Times say that a graphic designer claims that the print used by Federal Express, that specific print on the back of one of these cardboard paintings was not used by Federal Express until after Basquiat died. Something, something quite intriguing, we don't know. So anyways, Basquiat ended up dying from a heroin overdose in 1988. People say no to drugs. He was only 27 years old. Some of you may, may know this something called the 27 Club, not the 700 Club, the 27 Club, which is where all these famous artists and musicians died when they were 27 years old. Who are some of these people in this unfortunate club? I'll tell you after I have another drink. Kurt Cobain, lead singer of Nirvana, died at 27. Jim Morrison, lead singer of The Doors. Janis Joplin, rock and blues singer. Brian Jones, bassist of the Rolling Stones. Robert Johnson, arguably the greatest guitarist of all, the blues guitarist of all time. Jimi Hendrix, also arguably the greatest guitarist of all time. And more recently, Amy Winehouse, the English blues singer. Every single one of these people died at the age of 27. Kind of freaky, but remember, if you're tired of the mouse and the magic this and the wand that, go to the Orlando Museum of Art and see these Basquiat exhibits for yourself, the, the lost paintings, or go out to Lakeland, Florida. It's only an hour drive away and see some Detroit Tigers spring training game. And you can also do is follow our social media accounts, Twitter at HBP4040. The Instagram account is Hipster Baseball Podcast. Give us a follow, or if not, keep listening. And you know why you could potentially go to Detroit Tiger Spring Training Game? Because baseball is back. How crazy is this? After a 99-day owners-induced lockout, spring training games will begin right now on the 17th of March. 99 red balloons floating in the summer sky. Panic bell, it's red alert. I love that song. It's a 1983 song. Nena, Nina, uh, 99 Red Balloons, or I think they, in Germany they called it 99 Luftballons. And uh, it basically, it's actually an anti-war song, but that has nothing to do with it. I just found it funny that the lockout was 99 days and there's a very famous 80s song called 99 Red Balloons. But like I said, spring training starts on the 17th of March. Reg the regular season starts on the 7th of April. And this whole thing could have been easily avoided but the owners are the ones that control the lockout. They induce the lockout. And remember, the, the like we had said, we had mentioned in last week's episode, the owners are going to own clubs a lot longer for any, than any player is going to be able to play because they have a lot more money. And frankly, there is no age restriction or age limit on how old or how young you can be to own a baseball club. 
and they have all the economic economic leverage in the world. And so that's why I thought, and Miss Cleo thought that we were going to be locked out of baseball until May. But I'm I'm glad we were we were wrong, and we will be having baseball very very soon. So what's new? I'll tell you after I have another drink. Ultimately, the players got a bump in the luxury tax threshold. So theoretically, owners could spend more without having to go to the quote-unquote luxury tax. There's a increase of about $130,000 for all minimum salaries in baseball. And there's now a draft lottery, which is good because normally what's always been happened, and this happens as well as in the National Football League, that the worst team who has the record, the, the, the team with the worst record automatically gets the number one draft pick the following year for either high school or college baseball player. And that incentivizes owners to suck as much as possible. Like, let's have the worst team, the worst product out there so we can get ourselves the very best youngster next year. And then let's do it again. Let's suck again so we can get another super high draft pick. Now, the way the National Basketball Association the National Basketball Association does it is they have a draft lottery. So basically, all the teams that don't make the playoffs are put in a lottery, like the pinball, just like the ones you, you used to watch late at night, like at the 10 o'clock drawing or whatever, when the lottery was drawn. It's like a book. every team is represented by a ball. It's like, okay, look, oh, this team is going to draft 14th. And then this team, we take another ball out. This team is going to draft 13th. And then this team is going to draft, et cetera, et cetera, until you finally get to the first round, to it, until you finally get to the team that will pick first. And that is not always the team with the worst record. So there, and there's some like statistics behind it about how many balls and the probability you get, but at least it doesn't in, in, entice owners to suck as much as they've been doing. And lastly, or not lastly, but we're not going to go over to the whole through the whole collective bargaining bargaining agreement. The the players agreed to expand the playoff to twelve teams. The owners wanted fourteen, which is ridiculous. That's almost half the teams in baseball, and it's just not competitive. Some teams don't deserve to be in the playoffs, and we saw this in the NFL postseason in that first round where there were teams that did not belong. In that wild card weekend, they would call it in the NFL. I know this is not a football, this is not a football podcast, but we're we're sports fans. In that first wild card seat weekend, there were a lot of uncompetitive games because those teams who quote unquote made the playoffs didn't deserve to be in the playoffs because they really weren't that good and they got blown out. And I think that's what's going to happen, even if we have just two more teams in the in the playoffs. We'll see. So another interesting tidbit I found was that if you're a player and you have to go to, to Canada to play the Toronto Blue Jays and you're not vaccinated against COVID-19, you're not going to be able to get into the country. You can't play and you're not going to get played. You're not going to get played. You're not going to be paid for the games that are played in Canada, which is very interesting. The last part that I found interesting was that Apple and Major League Baseball announced that Apple TV Plus, I don't even have Apple TV and much less Apple TV Plus, they're going to carry weekly double headers on Friday nights, which sounds kind of cool, kind of interesting. I don't know if Apple's going to be able to do any of their spin on it, like to make it cool, make it tech savvy, because apparently Major League Baseball will still be producing 
the games and then the pregame show and the postgame show. Also, for our international audience, those Friday night games will be shown on Apple TV Plus in the United States, in Canada, and in Mexico, so all throughout North America. But games will initially also be available in Australia, Brazil, Japan, South Korea, and the United Kingdom. So play ball. We are only weeks away from the real deal. So it's it's exciting. It's unexpected, but it's a good surprise. And you know what's a good surprise? Especially nowadays, lower energy bills. And I'm going to tell you all about that right after I take this drink. Our show sponsor, Solyndra. Energy costs are going through the roof. Gasoline, oil, and the war in the Ukraine. But Solyndra insulates you from global warming and the fossil fuel price shocks by relying on nature's best source of power, the sun. The secret is copper, indium, gallium, selenide, solar cells. This converts sunlight into electrical power. Solyndra is headquartered in Fremont, California, but with our technology, we bring the California sun to you and help lower your energy costs. Solyndra, your solar panel leader. Cheers to the sun, which is in the middle of our solar system. Cheers to Solyndra for sponsoring the show. And therefore, I can also afford this delicious big big pumpkin from Orange County Brewers. And in today's last segment, we're now doing this basically every episode, the S&P double play, business and baseball. We're going to talk about the Ricketts family. And they are the family that owns the Chicago Cubs. We talked about the Ricketts family back in episodes 10 and 25. These are some of the owners. These are one of the owners that's always crying poor throughout baseball's 99-day lockout. But the Ricketts family, surprisingly, are looking to buy the English football club soccer Chelsea for $4 billion. Where in the world did they miraculously find this kind of money? In between the sofa cushions? In an offshore account in the Cayman Islands, in the Isle of Wight, I have no idea. The Chicago Cubs chairman, Tom Ricketts, he has a history with football in in England because he's a football fan. Soccer. And he he had a small ownership stake in the football club, Darby County, from 2009 to 2015. Now, who's the owner of Chelsea? The current owner of Chelsea is a man by the name of Roman Abramovich. He's put the he put the he put the club up for sale back on the second of March. Abramovich has owned the, the club since 2003, basically for 19 years. They have won a boatload of trophies in, in, in England, in Europe, in the world. But why is Roman Abramovich selling Chelsea? Because he's a Russian oligarch, one of those guys who supposedly supports the Russian dictator Vladimir Putin in his. And obviously, we know uh, Putin has invaded Ukraine. Horrible things have happened. And so countries in Europe, the U.S., the U.K., and parts of Southeast Asia have also frozen the assets of a lot of the Putin supporters, the, these, these, these billionaire oligarchs. He wants to sell this team before anything worse happens. I'm talking about Abramovich. Now, back to the Ricketts family. You have to remember these people, again, who have been crying poor for years the Ricketts family refused to play their third base superstar, Chris Bryant, 
by forcing him to stay in the minor leagues back in April 2015 as a rookie so that they could keep Bryant on an extra year on his super cheap rookie contract so they wouldn't have to pay him. Because they're poor. Because they're poor. Can you please have some sympathy for the Ricketts family? Okay. Ultimately, the, the Cubs won the World Series. And Chris Bryant was traded to the San Francisco Giants just last season. Again, so the Cubs would not have to pay him. And last year, if you're a baseball fan, if you're a Cubs fan, you know that the Cubs just basically just dumped everybody. They got rid of Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, of course, Chris Bryant. They also got rid of the previous year, um, Darvish, the Japanese pitcher. He didn't win the World Series with them, but it was a salary dump. Now, again, the Ricketts family's poor. Because in an interview with ESPN back in 2020, the Cubs chairman, Tom Ricketts, said, quote, the league itself does not make a lot of cash. I think there's a perception that we hoard cash and that we take money out and that's all sitting in a pile we've collected over the years. Well, we don't, end quote. Back over to England. Chelsea's in a pickle. Again, Abramovich, he's in bed with the Russian dictator. I've had another drink. The British government has frozen a lot of the, of the commercial credit cards of the Chelsea Football Club, and that impacts the day-to-day running of that club, where on away games, they've had issues renting hotels and th- just normal day-to-day things you do when you're on a business trip or even when you're on a vacation. As, so the British government is also demanding that Abramovich does not profit from the sale of Chelsea. And so let's say Chelsea is sold for $4, million, $4 billion. Theoretically, the British government doesn't want Abramovich to take one red pence, that's penny in Britain. Again, we're wading into international finance, international intrigue, foreign relations, legal And this is why I love this segment, because it's about business, it's about money, it's about the other side of baseball. And the New York Merchant Bank, the Rain Group, is going to handle the sale of the club for Chelsea. So they're going to be the intermediaries. Intermediaries. The Rain Group also has a previous working relationship with the Ricketts family. So you can say the Ricketts have a little bit of an in there so that they can potentially get to the front of the line to purchase a distressed asset like Chelsea Football Club. I've had another swig of this beautiful drink. Here's the problem when I say distressed asset, that apparently there are a lot of the Chelsea football stars who want to leave the club because they fear, quote, financial Armageddon, end quote. And they think that money's going to run out by May 2022, because I believe also the British government has said that the sale has to be done by basically the spring of this year. So you come in, you're paying $4 billion for Chelsea. The first thing you hear is, oh, by the way, all of our superstars want to leave because they don't want to be associated with this club. They, they want to make sure that they're getting paid their humongous salaries. And also just the, the smell, the taint of who Abramovich associates himself with. So what future superstar is going to want to join Chelsea? Their biggest player right now, Chelsea's uh, Romelu Lukaku. He's a Belgian super striker stud. He wants to leave back to Italy. He's, again, he's Belgium, but he wants to leave back to Italy where he used to play. So now, how did the Ricketts acquire the Cubs? The Ricketts paid $845 million for the Cubs, Wrigley Field, and a piece of the regional TV network back in 2009. That's 13 years ago. Now, the Cubs are estimated to be worth around 
$4 billion. That is a three times return on your investment with three, over 300% return on your investment, which is insane. Let's also not forget that the Ricketts in their back pocket had a $100 million tax credit from 2020 because Wrigley Field was designated as a National Historic Landmark. And we went over that National Historic Landmark designation, the tax credit, and its implications for the Ricketts family back in episode 10. So check that out if you're interested on that. But again, the Ricketts don't have any, don't have, they don't have any money. They can't pay Chris Bryant. They can't pay anyone. How dare you say that they have one penny to, to do anything? God forbid, I'm, I, I'm afraid that they can't even pay their mortgage on their 10th house in the Bahamas. I'll, all I can do is afford just one delicious beer. So ultimately, who are the Ricketts competing with? First off, all bids must be in to the Rain Group by the 15th of March. So you, my friend, you still have time. Send your bid in now. I don't know what you're going to bid for them, but do it now because the 15th of March, all bids are due. Who else is interested in buying Chelsea? Not just the Chicago Cubs owners, but a British property tycoon, Nick Candy, he's interested in developing, in developing, excuse me, he's interested in buying Chelsea Football Club and, is, and he has also brought forth an idea of how to develop Stamford Bridge, which is the area just outside of where Chelsea plays. Kind of like what the Chicago Cubs have done with outside of Wrigley Field, making it a development, the Atlanta Braves with the Battery Park, the New York Mets with City Field. Well, they're, they haven't done it yet, but you get my drift. And as well as the Los Angeles Dodgers part owner, Todd Bowley. Bowley owns 20% of the Dodgers. Bowley also owns DraftKings among a hundred other super successful companies. And there may be sort of a sentimental tie for Todd Bowley as well, because he, he attended the, the London School of Economics as a young man. Todd Bowley is so rich. This guy's not just considering buying Chelsea Football Club. He wants to buy the NFL's Denver Broncos, also valued at $4 billion. It's mind-boggling, mind-boggling what you can do when you have almost limitless money. But cheers to Dodd Bowley because as part owner of the LA Dodgers, the LA Dodgers put money into their team. They put the best possible product on the diamond. They won the World Series two, uh, two seasons ago. They're consistently one of the contenders for the past decade. And baseball's entertainment. Sports is entertainment. We want to see the best players. We want to see the best teams. We want to see amazing levels of competition. And the LA Dodgers, they justify you paying a ridiculous amount of money for their, top, their tickets and their tacos and their drinks because you're going to see a quality product. Unlike Tom Ricketts, the chairman, and his brothers and sisters, the owners of the Chicago Cubs. So keep that in mind when you watch the Chicago Cubs that these owners of the Cubs don't want to pay for new salaries, new players or nothing, but they're more than willing to spend $4 billion for a completely different team in a different country in a different sport. Cheers to the good people at the brewery because I continue to enjoy this. And I also enjoy our new listeners. People, I love giving the shout out to all of our new listeners. We have a new listener from Anaheim, California. Aliso Viejo, California, Ontario, California, a lot of Dodgers and Angels fans, I guess, Cartersville, Georgia, Portland, Oregon. Now we're going international. Wait, wait for it. 
Campinas, Brazil. Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Can we hold on a minute right here? How in the world does someone from Saudi Arabia know about this podcast? I don't know, but that's awesome. Cheers to you, sir, ma'am, whatever. Jeddah, Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. Nitra, Slovakia. And drum roll. This is gonna take a this is gonna take a minute. Kalaki Tbilisi in the country of Georgia, which borders Russia. Kalaki Tbilisi. I apologize if I totally butchered the name, but we I thank you all. And I do want to remind everyone, I've said this before, we are not following you. This is not Big Brother. I do not know your name, your gender, your age, none of that stuff. The only thing I know on the analytics is, by the way, there's a new listener from this city and this country. That's it. So rest assured, my friends, I'm not selling any of information and I'm not interested. I'm just happy that you listen to me talk while I sit on an overturned bucket talking about baseball, drinks, art, and anything else. So again, thanks for listening to the podcast. Here on HPP, we talk about baseball, drinks, offshore trusts, and everything else under the sun. Subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and family. Remember, you can always find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. You know our social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. My drink will be in the episode description. And remember, join us next time for a brand new episode of HBP, Hips or Baseball Podcast. Play ball.